Welcome to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast, and thank you for joining us. This week will be the last week in our sermon series, Warning Signs. As we close out this series, Senior Minister Jeff Gaines talks about the warning signs that we are giving Satan access to our lives. Thank you for listening. We hope you learn and enjoy. It's a pleasure to see all of you, and I want you to just know how grateful I am for all of you. I, I just feel like we've got such a great church family, and I love you guys dearly. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, I, I think you'll find um, that our church family is a welcoming church family, uh, welcoming in that no matter what kind of burdens you carry in here with you, um, we all have a past, and we've all made mistakes, and you know nobody has a perfect belief um, system. So if you come in here with questions and doubts and heartaches and and mistakes from your past, just understand we welcome you, we receive you, and we want to love on you just the way you are. So our hope is that you'll come back and you'll visit with us often uh, and just become part of this church family because I think it's a great church family to be a part of. Don't you guys think that? Amen? Yeah. We're in the middle, or actually we're ending today, a sermon series entitled Warning Signs. And this month we've been talking about some of those spiritual mile markers in our life that we're heading in the wrong direction. And I feel like we need to have this conversation because we're not great at seeing the warning signs, are we? Some of us, you know, won't mention any names, have driven through the stop sign just because you didn't see it, uh, or you've driven down the, the wrong way of a one-way street because you didn't see it. I know people that have a backup camera that beeps when you get too close to something, and they still manage to back up into things because we're not great at heeding those warning signs. Today I want to talk to you about some warning signs that you've given Satan access into your life. Um, there was a little country church, and they got all geared up for their Sunday morning service. Everybody had a seat in their pew. They're about to sing the first hymn, and this huge smoke, fiery ball appeared in the front of their sanctuary. And as it dissipated, there in the flesh was the devil. Everybody in the church, they ran out the back doors in fear, except for one little old man, elderly man. He was sitting in the front pew just as calm as could be. The devil was perplexed and kind of angry about this, and he got up in the man's face and he said, don't you know who I am, and don't you know what I can do to you? And the old man said, yeah, I know exactly who you are, and I know what you can do to me. And the devil said, well, why aren't you scared of me? And the old man, just as calm as could be, he said, for the last 40 years, I've been married to your sister. You guys can use that any time you want. I like that one. We have a tendency to not take the devil very seriously, don't we? About 50% of Americans, they don't even believe in the existence of the devil. And I would say more than that, don't really believe that evil can have any sort of impact in their life. So I feel like as we get started today, it'd be important for us to have a conversation just real briefly about why this is such an important topic for us to consider today. I think it's an important topic for us to think about because... Firstly, Satan is real, and he has a plan to destroy us. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who never made a mistake, he said that Satan is real. He had an interaction with Satan after he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, And then in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said this about the devil. The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said Satan is real, and he has a plan to hurt you, to destroy you. Now, the thing about a thief is thieves are sneaky. They don't come and knock on your door and say, I'm here to take your things. Just kind of move aside. They don't do that. 
In the same way, the Bible says of Satan in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see, the devil's going to come to you in an unassuming manner. He's going to come and appear as if he's a helpful friend. I understand you and your needs. God doesn't get it. That's why he's placed all these burdens on you. But I'm your friend. That's how the devil presents himself to you. And once he gets access into your life, he's going to do some damage. Another reason that I think this is an important topic for us to consider today is that we aren't nearly as strong as we think we are. No one grows up to have their life destroyed by some sort of sin. People don't aspire to be an addict or to be a murderer or, or to, to have their life destroyed uh, by some sort of sinful behavior or activity. They don't plan on it, but it happens. And, and you've seen it in your own life, haven't you? Some of the strongest people, some of the most intelligent people, some of the most respected people have had their life torn apart because they've fallen into an affair or they've fallen into an addiction. They've made some huge mistake and it destroyed their life, destroyed their family. Because we aren't nearly as strong as we think we are. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, God's having a conversation with one of the handful of people that are living on the planet. And he says to Cain, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. You know, we hear warnings like this from God or from a preacher or from a friend, and this is what we say, oh, it's not a big deal. That thing, it won't, it won't control me. I'm too strong. I'm too smart. I'm too self-controlled. But what happened the very next verse? In Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, what we find is Cain killing in cold blood his brother, the first murder in human history. Because we aren't nearly as strong as we think we are. This is another reason we need to consider uh, this topic this morning. Unprepared people are vulnerable. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law happy is he. You see, when it comes down to it, there's only two ways in life. There's Jesus' way. There's us following the laws, the standards that God has set. When we follow those laws, when we walk in the way of God, it leads to happiness, a joy that surpasses all understanding. But when we step outside of God's plan for our life, we're stepping into Satan's plan. And where there is no vision, where there is no plan, the people perish. All that to say this. Today, if you have uh, failed to make a plan when it comes to Satan, then you're planning to fail when it comes to Satan we got to make a plan. So today, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk to you about some of those warning signs that you've given the devil access in your life. You've given him room to work. And then we're going to talk about a resistance plan. How do I fight off the devil when he comes at me? I think this is an important conversation. So as we step into the mo this moment, let's just invite the Lord into our hearts and into this room as we just dive into his truth. So pray with me. Father, we come to you with humble hearts. And if we're not humble, Lord, I pray that you'll humble us in this moment. Give us eyes to see your truth, Lord. Give us to, a hear, ears to hear your promises. And Lord, help us to lean into you in this moment. Speak clearly to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what are some of the warning signs that you've given the devil room to work in your life? Here's one of them. You're prideful. You're prideful. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Our pride often leads us to do foolish things, does it not? How many salesmen? Do I have any salesmen in here? Don't be shy. We love salesmen. Okay. I got a line for you, okay? There's a, a clever door-to-door -door salesman, and he closed a bunch of deals with just this one line. You ready? You can use it anytime. You ready? He said this. He said, 
let me tell you about something several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. That's a good one. Why? Because pride makes us do foolish things, makes us buy things we don't need. It makes us say things we shouldn't say. It makes us do things that we shouldn't do. Everybody, we've all had this family member that is doing all the wrong things. They're making terrible decisions with their life, and we come and we try and talk to them. And everybody in your family, you have a, try and have a conversation with these people saying, you're, you're heading in the wrong direction. These things are going to hurt you. We've all had those conversations, and maybe some of you had those conversations even this past Thanksgiving. And what do those people say that are, that are living in all the wrong ways? They're doing all the wrong things. What do they say? Everybody else is wrong. I'm the only one that's seeing things clearly. Why? Because they have a heart of pride. Pride makes it hard to say I'm wrong and I'm moving in the wrong direction. We've all been in those situations where somebody told us you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't be doing that. You can't do that. And all the more it makes us want to do that very thing. It's our pride that makes us believe it hurts everybody else. This behavior, yeah, I've seen it destroy other people, but it will never destroy me. You see, when you have a heart of pride, it gives the devil all sorts of room to work in your life. It's a warning sign. Here's another warning sign. You're heading in the wrong direction, and you've given the devil room to work in your life. You're lying. Lying is never a part of God's plan. In John chapter 7, verse 18, Jesus said this, He who seeks the glory of God is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. If you're following Jesus, you will never have a need to lie. But when you're lying, it's a sign that I'm moving in alignment with Satan. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said it this way. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. If there's anything in your life that you feel the need to lie about, if there's anything in your life that you feel the need to hide, that's a red flag. It's a warning sign that you're doing something that God doesn't want you to do. And you're doing exactly what it is Satan is asking you to do. That thing is not from God, it's from Satan. And that thing isn't for your good, it's going to lead to your destruction. Lying about where you've been, what you've been doing, who you've been doing that with, it's a clear sign that you're following, falling into the devil's trap. If you're lying about something today, it's a sign you've given the devil room to operate in your life. Here's another warning sign that you've given the devil room to operate. You're angry. Now, getting angry isn't a sin. The Bible makes that clear. Uh, you probably have a very legitimate reason to be angry today. Maybe you had an idiot driver on the way here. Somebody just pulled right out in front of you. Maybe there's this selfish family member and they're doing all the wrong things. Maybe it's a, a disrespectful coworker. Maybe your life has just been so unfair and it's been one unfair event after another. And so there's anger in you. It isn't getting angry that's a sin. It's what you do with that anger that makes it a sin. Does your anger turn you into the Incredible Hulk and, and you just destroy everything in your path and then you finally snap out of it and you look back on all the things you've done and you have to apologize for those things? Is that what anger does to you? It, it, does your anger, does it boil up underneath on the surface? Nobody else sees it, but in you there's this heart of bitterness, this heart of resentment, and it's made you have just this jaded view of the world. The Bible tells us that we ought to be really careful how we deal with our anger. We've got to deal with it in a timely manner, and we've got to deal, deal with it in a helpful manner. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says it this way. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. You've got to deal with it 
in a timely manner. Don't let it boil up underneath and do not give the devil a foothold. If there's anger inside of you today, if you're angry about something, it's time to deal with it because the longer that anger lives in you, the more room you're giving the devil to operate. So here are some of the warning signs. What can we do to resist this? What can we do to keep from giving the devil a foothold? Here's my first encouragement to you today. Avoid all temptation. Avoid all temptation. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says it this way. Be careful. Watch out for the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not trying to help you. He's trying to hurt you. He prowls around like a hungry and roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. I want you to imagine with me, how many of you go to the zoo? You like the zoo? All right, we got a few zoo people. Okay, so let's say you go to the Louisville Zoo, not today because it's freezing and you would definitely want to get out of there, but in the fall, beautiful, perfect fall day, all the animals are out. You're at the Louisville Zoo, and one of the Louisville Zoo employees gets over the loudspeaker and they have this announcement. Attention, attention, the Scar, that's the name of the lion, we're just going to give it that name, I don't know that that's its name, Scar, our male full-grown lion has escaped his enclosure and is on the prowl in the zoo. Okay, you hear that announcement, what are you going to do? You're just going to meander in the zoo, just act like nothing happened, going to watch the giraffes and the zebras and just enjoy the rest of your day, is that what you're doing? No, every one of us, we're picking up our kids like a football and we're just stiff-arming people. We're trying to get out the exit as soon as we possibly can. Why? You don't mess around with Scar at the Louisville Zoo because once Scar pounces on you, it's over. You're not going to beat the lion. The lion's going to get you every time. You get as far away from Scar as you possibly can. All that to say this, why would we ever mess around with the schemes of Satan? Too many of us, that's what we do. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 says this, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Don't flirt with that line between right and wrong, and that's what too many of us do. We see the edge, and we say, well, how far can I get to that edge before I fall off of it? Well, the Bible says, no, don't, don't flirt with that line. Don't get right to the edge and just see how close. No, run away from it. Distance yourself from that line because that line is destruction. Let me give you a personal example. Before I came to serve here at Glendale Christian Church, I worked as an admissions counselor for Campbell's University. In the fall of every year, they would assign every admissions counselor a student ambassador. And so this particular fall, I was assigned a girl. Her name was Jill. Jill was a, a sweet girl, really intelligent, upperclassman, uh, and she worked really hard. But about two or three weeks into the semester, I noticed some of Jill's inappropriate behavior. Uh, there were times that she would say things to me um, that she viewed to be complimentary, but they may, kind of embarrassed me, made me blush, that kind of stuff. Uh, we would go on a recruiting trip, and usually these trips involved a dinner, and she would do whatever she could to sit right by me. I would be having a conversation with one of our prospective students, and Jill would come up into this conversation circle, and she'd put her hand on my back and just leave it there. Uh, she would come into my office, and instead of sitting at the chairs across from my desk, on the other side of my desk, she would come around my desk, and sat on my desk all up in my personal space. And so I'm, I'm a guy, so I'm oblivious to this kind of stuff. So it took me a couple weeks to figure this out. But then my eyes were open to Jill and her inappropriate behavior. So I had a choice. And we are all confronted with this choice, aren't we, in life sometimes? You're made aware of a temptation or an opportunity, and you have to decide what to do with it. My choices were this. I could encourage and enjoy this behavior, this attention, 
or I could do everything within my power to make it stop. So I decided I'm going to do everything within my power to make it stop. So the first thing I did, because uh, the man that seeks to glorify God is a man of truth, I went to my wife and I told her everything that was going on because I didn't want her to think that I was hiding anything from her. So I told Erica. And so she went and found Jill and pulled all her hair out and body slammed her, and that's the end of it. That's the end of the story. Now, she, um, I told her what was going on. I said, I'm going to take care of it. So the next day I went into the office, uh, and we had a meeting. Me and a, another admissions counselor and Jill, we sat down, and I had an awkward conversation with her, with Jill. And I said, this pr- uh, behavior, and we got really specific and detailed, it's inappropriate, and we're not going to stand for it. We switched all of our um, student ambassadors around to where Jill was not my student ambassador any longer. And then I went to my director and I said, whenever you send me out on a recruiting trip, make sure that Jill is not one of the student ambassadors on that trip. It would not be appropriate. Now, I look back on that situation and I honestly believe with all my heart I would never do anything to jeopardize my relationship with Erica. But like I said before, listen to me, we're not as strong as we think we are. And so it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't be wise for me to even put myself in a situation to be tempted. So this is what we do. We run from the temptation. We avoid it at all costs. If you have to have an awkward conversation, you have an awkward conversation. If you've got to make adjustments, you make adjustments. Some of you today, you need to go home after service, and you've got a computer in your house. You can't have a computer in your house without you looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. You need to take that computer and you need to throw it in the trash. Some of you, you have a smartphone. You can't have a smartphone without looking at things you shouldn't look at. So you need to go to AT&T or Blue Guy Cellular and say, hey, you guys got any flip phones? Because I can't. Something that doesn't get pictures? Because I can't have this. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to go home and you got some pills in your medicine cabinet and you're just kind of saving them for a rainy day and you can't have those pills in your house without you abusing them. So you need to open that bottle up and pour them down the toilet, flush that toilet. Some of you need to do the same thing with your alcohol. Some of you need to go home and take your, your credit cards out of your wallet or your purse because you can't have those and not lose control. You need to cut them up. we got to run from, run from the temptation. Avoid it. Don't get right up on the line. Don't see how close you can get to it without going over. You're setting yourself up for disaster. Run from the temptation. Here's my other encouragement, and I think this is going to help you. Envision the destruction envision the destruction too many of us we don't take seriously enough how quickly satan can devastate our life and we say things like this well jill you know she's harmless i would never do anything she would never do anything it's just fun we say things like this oh you know uh, the weed is not a big deal it's legal in several states who cares it's not going to lead to anything We say, you know, I've got control of the alcohol. I've got control of my anger. I've got control of the spending. I've got control of it. It's not going to hurt me. I'm too strong. I'm too smart. I'm too self-controlled. It's just for fun. Everybody else does it. It's not that big a deal. And then Satan will use that sinful attitude and those sinful actions to devastate your life. Because sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. You know that People don't stand over a dead body with, a, with a, a gun in their hand planning to do that. You talk to a police officer that investigates things like this, and 99% of the time that person is just like blown away that they ever got to that place. People don't plan on it. They make decisions that lead to the place. 
And it's a, it just spirals out of control. Sin takes you to a place you never thought you would go. And it keeps you there longer than you, you ever thought you would stay. Ask an addict. When they, when they took the first puff of that joint, they never thought that they would end up homeless on the street as a heroin addict. Never thought that. It spiraled out of control, and it took them to this place, and it kept them there longer than they want to stay. So every time you think of temptation, what you need to be thinking about is the devastation that's going to leave in its wake, the destruction. That's, we often have to be reminded of how deadly sin can be. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 5 says it this way. The lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. That temptation looks so sweet. It looks so exciting. It looks so inviting. It looks so sexy. It, it's, it's just so interesting. I want that thing, that temptation, because the forbidden fruit is the most appetizing, isn't it? It's the one that looks the tastiest. But, but, in the end, she is a bitter as gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Sin leads to bad places. It's going to taste sweet initially. The Bible says of sin, sin is fun for a season, but it leads straight to the grave. So this is what I would encourage you to do today. Envision the destruction. You start to be tempted by something, just let your mind go down that road and say, well, where's this road going to lead me? Let me help you with that. I want you to envision for a second that I embezzled a large sum of money from this church. Let's talk about the destruction that would happen. It'd be on the news, probably Louisville News, Lexington News would probably pick it up. It'd definitely be in the newspaper. It'd be all over Facebook. Everybody in Hardin County would be talking about it. It'd be, it'd be all over the place. It would bring shame to my Savior who died for my sins, I'd be spitting in the face of his sacrifice by doing that. It'd be, it brings shame to the church. People would say, well, that's why I don't go to church. Right there, you just got a bunch of hypocrites that go to church. It'd bring embarrassment to my wife and my family. Erica wouldn't be able to go to Walmart without people whispering, is that her? Uh, my girls would carry a stigma with them everywhere they went in this community. I'd lose my job. I'd lose my house. I'd have to find a, another place to live and another place to work. Um, and then I have to explain to my beautiful little girls why their daddy isn't preaching anymore. And to top it all off, there's many of you in this room that you might abandon the faith because it would spiritually devastate you that your spiritual leader could do something like that, make you question everything you believe. Is it worth it? Of course not. Too many of us, we don't envision the destruction, and so we start taking steps down that road. And before you know it, we're in a place we never thought we would be, and we can't get out of it. Before you know it, we've done things we've never thought we would do. And now you have to pick up all the pieces. So why not envision it before you take that step? Some of you need to do that today. Because you're being tempted by something even now. Envision, where is this road going to lead? It's not going to lead to a good place. Satan is on the prowl. And he's looking for an opportunity to pounce. So this is what we got to do. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Too many of us, we're not putting up a fight at all. Every time we're tempted, we just give in to it. Oh, it'll be fun. Nobody will know. It's not hurting anybody. And so we walk in that direction. You're walking right into the devil's trap. But if you will resist that temptation, the devil will flee from you. He doesn't even have a chance if you'll put up a fight. So submit to God. Here's your resistance plan. Understand Satan has a plan to destroy you. 
you aren't nearly as strong as you think you are. And if you don't have a plan, you're probably going to fail. So avoid the temptation. Envision the destruction. And submit to God. That's what it comes down to. Am I going to do, do life God's way? Or am I going to do life Satan's way? It's, there's no gray area. It's either I'm going to follow Jesus or I'm going to succumb to the schemes of the devil. Those are your options. I would encourage you to walk with the Lord. For just a moment, I want to switch gears because I think there's some people probably in this room and you have fallen into the temptation. You've already messed up. So what are you supposed to do? Maybe you're here today and you feel like you, you're unforgivable. There's a story of a man named David in the, the Old Testament. And David, everything David did, he was blessed. He became the king of Israel. He was basically on top of the world. And at the height of his career, at the height of his life, David walked up on the roof of his house, and he saw this woman bathing, which was common for that time. He saw this woman bathing. And he had a choice in that moment. We're all confronted with this choice. Am I going to avoid the temptation and walk back down stairs? Am I going to envision the destruction and walk back downstairs in my own business? Or am I going to feed it? Am I going to enjoy this moment and encourage it? David decided to stay there. A few minutes later, he called his servants up. He said, I want you to find that woman. They went and they got this lady. Her name was Bathsheba. And David brought her back to his palace and basically forced himself on her. And she became pregnant. Bathsheba was married to a man named Uriah. Uriah was a faithful soldier. David tried everything he could to cover it up because this was a huge scandal in his kingdom. Could destroy everything. But his lies, his deceit, it just, it just made things worse. And so one thing led to another, and David finds himself making the command to have Uriah killed. David killed Bathsheba's husband. You talk about sin. You talk about a spiral of sin just spiraling out of control. Now, I know that there's a lot of mistakes that have been made in this room, but I doubt any of us have made those kind of mistakes. None of us have plunged to those depths. So here's the question today. Can God forgive that kind of sin? In Psalm 51, verse 1, David cries out to God. And he says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. David comes to God on his hands and knees. He says, I know I don't deserve it, but please forgive me, God. Can God forgive sins like this? In 2 Samuel chapter, chapter 12, verse 13, David said to Nathan the prophet, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan, who's a prophet, he speaks on behalf of God. He says this, the Lord has taken away your sins. If you're here today and you feel like you're unforgivable in your sin, you've made too many mistakes for God to ever have you back. Understand, if God can forgive the sins of David, who had been given the whole world, and David spit in the face of God, totally rejected it. If God can forgive that, he can forgive you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we hear this promise. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, not most, not most, all, every single one. There's not a thing that you've done in your life that God won't forgive you for. If you'll just confess to him, Lord, I've made a mistake. I've rejected you time and time again. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm committed to doing things the right way. I will submit to you, and I'm going to resist the devil. I'm going to walk in your ways. Please forgive me. God is faithful, and he will cleanse every sin. He will make you whiter than snow. Pray with me as we step into this moment. Lord, 
We love you. You're a merciful father who loves his children so desperately that when we run away, you sit on that doorpost. You sit out on the steps, on the porch, and you're just waiting for us to come home. Lord, if there's any person in this room that's wandered away from you, I pray you'll bring them back. In Jesus' name, amen. I really do. I hope that you know that. And that's why we have to have these conversations. I don't like raining on people's parade, but this is what Jesus said. Somebody's trying to rain on my parade. (laughs) Uh, This is what Jesus said. John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we we speak against that today because that's Satan's plan for you. He uses sin to get you there. So I speak against sin in Jesus' name. This is why. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but this is what Jesus said. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I believe with all my heart that Jesus' way is the best way, that he's a good father and wants to lead his children home to a beautiful place. So let's walk in that. And if I can help you, if we can help you in that journey, we're here. That's our number one objective is to help you walk with the Lord. So let us help you. If there's anything we can do, we're here. We're a family. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. As you leave, go loving and following Jesus to the best of your ability. And when you do that, he will bless you. Thanks for being here. Love you guys.